Hi, this is Stubanov from Metaverse, the crypto fund for art and cultural decentralization, the Medici's of the Metaverse. We invest in early stage blockchain projects that can stand the test of time. That's why we love Edge of NFT's thoughtful, long-term perspectives and groundbreaking guests, with some exceptions. Enjoy the episode. Hey, all you NFT curious trailblazers. Check out today's episode where we cover Beeple Buyer Metaverse's long-term perspective. Why colorful chickens might not have the best return on investment. Cardano's big moves in blockchain education. And where everyone who's anyone in NFTs is going to be on November 4th. Stay tuned. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Talk about Disruptor. Today's episode features Tubador. Welcome to this special NFTCon fireside chat with Tubador. I'm Ethan Janney, and I'm here today with my friends and co-hosts at Edge of NFT, Jeff Kelly and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% in NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. Tubador is our guest today. He's the steward of Metapurse, the world's largest NFT fund and production studio. Former journalist across print and broadcast, Associate of Metacovins since 2017, digital truffle sniffer, gets DeFi, loves NFTs, writes everything. The crypto fund Metapurse is the buyer of Beeple's digital work. If you haven't heard, work of art every day, the first 5,000 days. The Metapurse crypto art fund aims to be a tastemaker for the world as the conventional art community and buyers' interests shift to non-fungible tokens. Tubador, welcome. Thank you for being here with us. Thanks, Ethan. It's a pleasure to be here. We've been really excited about this show ever since we heard about Dreamverse and the chance to come hang out with you and, you know, create the future together. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, of course, the people purchase, that's big news. It brought some massive attention to the NFT space. It was an inflection point in NFT awareness. But I want to take it back a little bit further. You know, when did you first hear of NFTs? What disrupted your life and what led to the creation of Metapurse? I'm glad you asked about the NFTs and didn't ask me to go all the way back to when I heard about crypto because that journey is one (laughs) that's full of missed opportunities. But I think I will tell that story because I don't like to. You know, in a sense, Metacoven discovered Bitcoin in 2013, which admittedly is pretty early in the game. And he promptly told me all about it. But that package of information, which was enough to give him wings and, you know, give him, set him off on a journey of entrepreneurship in the crypto space, left me completely unaffected. I just couldn't process it. I write for a living, you know, I use words for a living, but I couldn't understand for the life of me what all of that meant. But uh, cut to four years of meandering later. I meandered, like you just said, journalism. I was in supply chain finance. I wrote about financial technology. I dabbled in advertising. I even for six months, I, I still don't know why, wrote about trucks, basically, you know, sing, multi-axle, single-axle trucks. I know all about it now, but it's a complete waste of time. Before <laughs> I finally got back together with Metacoven in 2017 and started to write about DeFi. But all of this meandering served a purpose, right? The more I understood money, 
the more I became more socially and politically aware, I began to understand the magic of the blockchain, the necessity of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. And, you know, my, my journey into crypto became much more meaningful after that. But my life was disrupted, as Ethan very colorfully put it, by the COVID pandemic, like it did for many people. And significantly so, because then we were, we were all sort of forced to look inwards at our place in the scheme of things. And suddenly I discovered the NFT space. I mean, I'd heard about NFTs, but we completely bypassed uh, crypto kitties and crypto punks and everything else. Metacoven had been dabbling for a little bit. He was very uh, taken by the idea of inalienable ownership that virtual land represented. And so he went on to become the largest single estate owner in decentralized, vast estates and crypto voxels and whatnot. Me personally, it was a massive aha moment for me because all of these abstract concepts in crypto, financial independence, immutability, ownership, suddenly became vivid in the NFT space, became experiential in the NFT space. They began to you know, dance in front of me. And so I finally realized that I'd come home after like six, seven years of Niyanti. That's the, I suppose, uh, not the very short version of yeah. my journey into the space. I can tell you're a writer, but also quite a great speaker. I don't, you know, that they were dancing in front of you, you know, <laughs> I love the way that you put it. Yeah, totally. And the idea of you were meandering around it, it's such an accurate description because I think even those of us that have been in crypto for five years have been always meandering around some element of it that we didn't go down the, that rabbit hole. We went down another rabbit hole because there's so many different rabbit holes, right? So totally feel you on, on every level. And with NFTs, you, you get to spark a train of thought. And with NFTs, you get to write about them in color. Right? It, it's not something you get, you know, there's only like four or five adjectives you can put in an article about DeFi, for instance. But look at that background behind you. Josh, you've got to hack it out, please. There's so much color. You can talk in color. And for some, you know, for communicators like us, for writers and speakers like us, you need more meat, right? You need juicy stuff, colorful stuff in front of you to talk about. <laughs> I think that's what the NFT space does. Totally. And I remember a panel recently with a, a body painter who said that her work could not be purchased and sort of seen in its true form by, by art collectors until NFTs came along. So that's just another example that came to mind. You know, the world is full of sound bites about the Beeple purchase, and they miss all the color in terms of what you guys are doing, which is pretty remarkable. Peel back the onion a little bit. How do you plan to build out this online platform for crypto artists worldwide through the Crypto Art Fund? The honest answer is we're still trying to figure that out ourselves. <laughs> I mean, Metaverse itself has evolved so much as an idea. Right? The name suggests it was a very simplistic idea. We just wanted to dip our toes into the space with some sort of an intention instead of, you know, just a couple of guys, uh, you know, knocking about and trying to buy up NFTs, right? So Metaverse sort of represented a sort of a spearhead in terms of our intentions in this space. We started off by collecting NFTs, but then we were sort of overcome by this question, what do you do with these NFTs? And the answer to that question has been a series of experiments in the space, right? Starting with something called rideshare, which basically is, you know, using a smart contract, being able to lease or lend your NFTs or even aspects of your NFTs out to people. For instance, you can either rent out a parcel in crypto auctions or Decentraland, or just rent out the rights to build on that parcel to someone. Stuff like that, right? And then there was the B20 project, 
which was an experience in how do you uh, in shared ownership, obviously, but also in an alternative to you know flipping an NFT or holding it in a wallet. How about you build monuments around it and you know make that uh, a sort of a focal point for culture or events or stuff like that. The next experiment is Dreamverse, which is a physical manifestation of our entire journey in the NFT space. Like what happens when you take uh, these what what people still do imagine as these virtual abstract things called NFTs and drop them in the physical world. So Dreamverse is what happens when NFTs make landfall. So this has been an evolution. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the same. Well, we got to learn more about it, and we've got a lot of questions about Dreamverse to unpack it. But but first, we saw this killer video on your website that we want to share with folks. And Ethan, is, is that queued up and ready to go? Yes, it is. So we'll we'll share this with with everyone as a link as well. But but let's play this video and and then dive deeper. Sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much, by the way, for doing this killer giveaway for us. So for everyone that's paying attention today, we've got a VIP ticket and completely sold out event VIP experience plus seven GA tickets. So check out Edge of NFT on Twitter for that information. And now let me kick it over to Jeff. Yeah. Well, look, I think we want to know more about Dreamverse. That was a really sick video. That was awesome. I guess it's launching. Is it uh, November 4th? I think, right? Tell us more about it, man. What's it all about? Oh yeah. I'm so excited, man. It keeps me up at nights and it just keeps growing, you know, legs of its own becoming bigger and bigger, but essentially it's a two-part event, right? It's, it's happening on a single day on the 4th of November at Terminal 5. The first part of the event is basically the largest collection of NFT art in a physical space on the planet ever. It's curated by these 10 OG artists, basically the 10 people that we fell in love with when we entered the NFT space and through them fell in love with the NFT space. So we, what, what I really didn't want to do was to curate art myself or you know, by ourselves at Metaverse because it just didn't make sense to us. On what basis would I choose artists, right? So we did the uh, decent thing, and this this idea was was sparrows basically. So why don't you decentralize it? Which seems obvious. So these ten OG artists basically picked ten of their favorite artists in the space. Some of them old, some of them new, some of them exciting. And so it is also co-curated with Time Keith Grossman's Time pieces, which he launched uh, a few years ago, are going to be uh, showcased at the event as well. So we have a collection of over 150 artists, work from 150 artists in that space. You know, some, a lot of them on uh, LED screens, some of them on AR, some of them in VR headsets and so on. And the latter half of Dreamverse is this massive EDM party, basically. Because let's face it, NFTs are not things that ought to just be discussed or talked about or just shown. NFTs are experiences. NFTs are supposed to be fun. And that's where the party element comes in. So we have an EDM party headlined by Alesso with opening performances from RAC and Please and Thank You. And at that party, 
we unveil the People 5000 piece officially for the first time on massive 24 foot screens. And we will also unveil the Souk, which is uh, basically a virtual space where the People 5000 piece comes to reside. Uh, that becomes its permanent address. And the Souk has been designed by Holly 13, incredible architects out of New York, who are currently designing the Perlman Performing Arts Center at the World Trade Center. I'm going to take a breath now. Wow. Yeah, take a breath, but I can tell there's more. <laughs> We're excited. We're headed out to NYC. New York is actually you know, a place that I lived for many years. Um, so I'm excited that it's happening there. It'll give me an opportunity to visit. And, you know, of course, we're all, you know, just going to be working hard to network and meet people because it's just like a very limited opportunity, right, to get all these cool people together in the same space. But I think I'll have to have some just sort of guilty pleasure just enjoying the music and the and the art as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's going to be really fun. I'm curious here, like, you know, who else is, is part of the Dreamverse dream, you know, that brought this all together? Where do I start? I mean, I was just telling somebody a little while ago, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we put together this a Zoom call, basically, of all the stakeholders, the people that were putting Dreamverse together. And it was overwhelming. I mean, I realized there's about 100 people, you know, involved in just putting this event wow. together. We have Eventique, an award-winning uh, event firm that's, that's taking care of the production. We have, like I said, Holly 30. We have one-off who, you know, mm -hmm. for sponsors, we have Dapper Labs, uh, Flow, we have Animoca Brands as sponsors, we have Metacask as sponsors, we have the, the syndicate, which is taking care of the marketing aspect of this. We have a composer called Pradeep, who is basically designing the soundscape for the NFT gallery. We have all of these amazing featured artists like Drew Gataoka, Rafi Canadol, you know, Diane Sinclair, David Bianchi. <laughs> I could go on for the next hour right. just about the people involved in this. And the beauty of it is not just, you know, the, the names of people or the list of people. Is What surprises me to this day is that they all said yes, right? When we, you know, approached them about Dreamverse and, and shared this dream, this idea, they shared that dream too. They thought it was a good idea. And that is so reaffirming right and so typical of the nft space because that all of the complexities of the real world in trying to get people to work together at this scale sort of melt away when you're part of uh, the nft ecosystem that's really great i mean now as you name all these people that are being involved it, it is it's it's really turning out to be almost like a mecca right where where all these important figures can come together and also just agree that the movement is important and that it deserves this particular event and not to draw a direct comparison but for some reason it makes me think of a great day in harlem i don't know if you guys are familiar with this but there was like a a day where they got together all these really awesome jazz musicians and in, in harlem and and took a photo of them all together and it was just kind of like you know, they probably all didn't even know what a historical moment that was right at the time. But, you know, it is, you know, we all look back on that as something very special. So it sounds like that's what you guys are cooking, something on that caliber and, and really excited to be a part of it as well. I just wanted to say the, the hearing that bringing so many people together, which, by the way, sounds like an Oscar or Grammy speech, like the, the, the list of people that contributed. Right. It's amazing. But but bringing so many people together to do an in real life project. Right. It's a very complex thing. But we've heard time and again that when it's folks within the NFT community that come together to work on things, that people have had the best collaboration experience of their life. 
over and over again from all these projects, we've heard this. It, it speaks to the community and what it's all about, the ethos that drives uh, the people, the projects and everything that, that's happening right now. It's just, it's cool to hear that again from you. Yeah, totally. So I was just going to say, it's really not surprising to me because you guys represent a key pinnacle moment in the history of NFTs with that purchase. And I think everyone wants to be there to celebrate where it's gone from there. And it's just really exciting. Yellowheart, one of Animoca Brands, these are folks that have been on our show. And, you know, we felt the same energy from them, the same ethos that, that you're exuding in this conversation. So... Of course, these are your friends. Of course, these guys want to be there to uh, high five and, and dance. And it should be a great time. Just to clarify a little bit more, there's two different parts of, of the event. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more, please? Sure. The first uh, is the Dreamverse Gallery, which we are super excited about. I said it quite unintentionally represents now the largest physical collection of NFT art on the planet. It's been curated by these 10 amazing OG artists who we sort of fell in love with uh, in the space and through them fell in love with the NFT space itself. You know, off the top of my head, Mattia Cotini, uh, Sparrow, Angie Taylor, Josie Bellini, Metageist, Snowfro, all of these people, right? So what we essentially did was to decentralize decentralized curation. We didn't want to do it ourselves. And so we just led it to these OG artists for artists to curate other artists. And so they chose 10 of their favorite artists from the space. And that's what represents the, it represents such an eclectic mix of art across mediums as well. We've got, uh, you know, two-dimensional art, static art, animated art. And it's also been co-curated with Time. So the recently launched uh, Time pieces will be on showcase as well at Dreamverse. The latter half of the show is essentially an EDM party headlined by Alesso and with opening performances by uh, REC and please and thank you. And this is where the Beeple 5000 piece also will be officially unveiled for the first time on massive 24-foot screens, the background. <laughs> and to top all of that up, we will also uh, sort of unveil and announce the souk. The souk is essentially uh, a virtual structure designed by Holly 13 amazing architects out of New York who are currently designing the Perlman Performing Arts Center uh, at the World Trade Center. So all of this, you know, in a nutshell, it is what happens when NFTs uh, and the ethos that you just mentioned, uh, Josh, of the NFT space is transplanted from the metaverse into the physical world. Yeah, it starts with art and finishes with a party. Got it. Exactly. It's perfect, man. Well, it sounds like an amazing event. We are so looking forward uh, to going there and experiencing it ourselves in person. So we will uh, we'll report back on that to all of our listeners, but I know it will be amazing. Let's shift gears a little bit. One of the things that so many folks are interested in it, it, that are just getting into the space is, is making wise choices with NFT purchases. What advice do you have for those that are interested in investing in the space? By the way, whatever he says is not financial advice. <laughs> Just yeah, catch yeah. that one. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, <laughs> the first question would be to you know would be to ask them if if they're coming in to uh, expecting an ROI or whether they want to invest in the space or they want to experience the space. I think it's a very important distinction, and it will drive a lot of the subsequent choices. So if they're in it, and, and I suppose the second part of the answer won't change much because the only sensible way to approach the NFT space is from a context that you understand very well in real life as well. 
And unlike, you know, tokens, uh, which have like zero historic context, you're, you're walking in blind, essentially. In the NFT space, you already have points of reference. For instance, if you're very deep into basketball, start with NBA top shots. Now you know why these moments are priced the way they are. You know if they're overpriced. You know if they're underpriced. Uh, you know if the economics around it makes sense or not because you understand basketball. If you're into gaming, start with Axis Infinity. If you're uh, a Formula One fan, go to F1 Delta Time Triple One. If you love art and you understand it, there's a whole bunch of art platforms out there for you to dip your toes into. So I think the sensible way, the smart way, whether you're a beginner or you're a large institution, would be to approach it from a context that you understand. And I love this because it essentially forces finance to move out of its comfort zone and engage with culture. Very cool. I have a, a question. Ever since, you know, we started out with some of your kind of fun in imagery as you're speaking there, thinking about you being a writer. I just want to know, right in the space, like NFT space, is writing something that you're seeing an interesting place for? And also just on top of that, like anything fun facts for us about, you know, books that you like or references for people to read? Oh, well, one thing hasn't changed. There's still no money in writing, <laughs> whether it's the real world or the NFT space. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love for that, you know, quite seriously, I'd love for that to change. I haven't seen any interesting or sustainable ideas around publishing uh, still on the blockchain. You know, I'd, I'd be all over that if that happened. But, you know, the thing with artists and writers in general is that people write or people make art because they can't help it, not because it's a, it's a way to make a living. It usually uh, is a way to make a living because they know nothing else like me. So there's that. So there's not too much incentive to build around it, but I'd love to see. But, you know, there have been some uh, books that have been quite transformative uh, to me over the last few years. Incidentally, a couple of them were introduced to me by Metacoven. One is, I suppose, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Mm -hmm. The other is Skin in the Game uh, by Nassim Talib. These two had a massive impact on how I look at, look at life, how I look at you know, finance, how I look at uh, crypto and everything else. This 2,500-year-old book called The Tirukkural, basically a collection of couplets by a poet saint called Tiruvalluvar out of Tamil Nadu, where, where I'm from. So, you know, it, it, it's like one of those books where you, you, whatever mood you're in, whatever decision you want to take, you, you flip through and you find a couplet and it instantly hits you, that kind of thing. I'd say these three books have been of uh, great influence, have had a significant influence on me. I've enjoyed Snow Crash, uh, you know, like, like a proper noob. I discovered Snow Crash after I came to the NFT space. And it's like, you know, you, you, you're suddenly wearing X-ray goggles. And everything makes sense to you. Oh, okay, this is this is where that came from. This yeah. is why crypto voxels is like this. So these have been fun books for me. Incredible. Well, thanks for sharing that. Really appreciate going down a little rabbit hole there. You know, as we wrap up with our questions, the last one I wanted to ask was just, you know, projects, platforms, ideas we might not have already covered today that you think could be game changers in the futures in NFTs. Oh, there's so many. Essentially, I mean, I leave you with maybe a general North Star that uh, Metaverse follows when we get into or think about investing in. If an idea already makes sense today, I don't think it's a great idea. You know, part of it should have some sort of a, a fit into the existing ecosystem, but a major portion of it should make sense to you only like three to five years later. Mm. So, you know, th that's how we look at uh, enterprises mostly when we invest in them. 
there are obvious choices i mean if the tokenomics are good so on and so forth but if the core idea is something that already fits like a glove in their current ecosystem it's not too much fun at all which is why we love uh, you know enterprises like anithia which are basically infusing artificial intelligence and gpt3 technology into nfts you know <laughs> i had a freaky experience where you know the, they used uh, metacoven's avatar fed it with fed the ai with uh, a lot of gpt3 data a little bit of buddhism a little bit of uh, metacovenisms and stuff and you can have an actual conversation with it that's freaky you can talk to your nfts now so stuff like that gets me really excited Totally. We actually have a, a contest running on Edge of NFT right now for Mirror World. And, and they're doing NFTs that have souls that you can train and, and talk to over time. And I love that concept. So totally. Yeah. Mind-blowing stuff. Mind-bending stuff for sure. Well, look, this has been an amazing conversation. Thanks so much for joining us and spending your time with us today. For our listeners, if you've enjoyed this conversation, keep listening at Edge of NFT at edgeofnft.com, where you can also subscribe uh, to our newsletter and get the latest news and information on special contests and all kinds of fun stuff. So keep your eye on our socials for a chance to win tickets to Dreamverse, this amazing event that we talked about today. We've actually already given away over $25,000 in NFTs, and we don't plan to stop anytime soon. This is going to be one of the sweetest giveaways we've done yet. So again, keep an eye on it and you know, enjoy. Hi there. Let me interrupt one sec with a special secret. Here at Edge of NFT, we want to loop you in on the best kept secrets in NFT right now. So this might be the first time you've heard of it, but you need to know about Koi, especially if you are a creator or even if you're just a supporter of groundbreaking projects. You need to dive into Koi ASAP and you can do so absolutely for free. Here is the best way. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Koi. That's edgeofnft.com slash K-O-I-I, two I's. There you can find out how to install the Finichrome plugin, publish your first 50 NFTs for free, and start earning koi whenever anyone visits your NFTs. Imagine a world where sites like Facebook and Instagram would allow creators to earn every time their posts are viewed. This is what koi is built to support. Plus, koi is built to scale globally without killing the planet. Go to edgeofnft.com koi, install the Finichrome plugin right now, publish your first 50 NFTs for free, and start earning koi today. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up our segment one. And I think we're ready to jump into our next segment called Edge Quick Hitters, which are a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. Uh, there's 10 questions and we're looking for short single word or few word answers, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. Tubador, are you ready to dive in? I suck at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That makes it easy, right? No expectations. Okay. Question number one. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Okay. This is a, a fun story. I, unfortunately, it's, it's not a two-word answer, but I'm going to hit you with it anyway. Okay. So when we were like six or seven, no, I think we were 10. No, we, we didn't know better. We had these little piggy banks in which we used to drop a lot of uh, cash. And this was a long time ago. If, if I told you the exact time, I'd look a lot older than I am now. But anyway... Back in India, there was this little trend of, you know, selling tiny baby chicken, but colored, right? It, it's, it's very weird, freaky, but just go with me on this one. <laughs> so they were painted pink or yellow or, you know, sometimes orange and stuff. So we were fascinated by it, my twin brother and I. So what we did, what we decided that this, this little piggy bank was our money, obviously, we were putting in it. So we 
broke it. We went and bought a few chickens and came back. My mother was waiting for us uh, outside. First of all, we didn't tell her that uh, we'd gone out. And then she asked us, uh, so where did these uh, chick- chickens come from? She said, we, we bought it. Uh, where did the money come from? She said, you know, we, we broke the piggy bank. Who'd you ask? And then we said, uh, well, it was our money. And so my mom was resting her hand against a, a little branch in the garden. And she broke that branch and basically gave us a nice little hiding. So that's the first thing I remember buying. <laughs> no one has done that thus far. Candy is the normal answer. So um, very, 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 very special response there. <laughs> Much appreciated. You Question. purchased yourself a punishment is what you did. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> uh, so are you sure two. you want to continue? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think so. What's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? It's interesting. Okay. Uh, tickets to an event, incidentally. <laughs> I went door to door and sold tickets to an event in my hometown because I was my aunt ran an event agency and I sold tickets. Oh, that's cool. Do you recall what the event was? It was a concert, a music concert. And I, yeah, it wasn't a very pleasant experience. Not like it is now. Right. But it's come full circle. Amazing. Yeah, it has. All right. Well, question three then. What is the most recent thing you purchased? The most recent thing I purchased was uh, a sandwich. It tasted good too. Nice. I told you I suffered this. Yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. That's great. We, you know, we, we always, we always ask that question and, you know, typically we'll get, you know, something somebody got maybe over the last few weeks or something like that, but we really want to know, like, what what was really your last purchase? You know, it's helpful. Um, Question four, what is the most recent thing you've sold? I haven't sold anything, quite honestly. I mean, that, that's, (laughs) that's one weird thing about the NFT space. We haven't sold a single NFT, only bought them, produced them, maybe commissioned a few weeks never sold an NFT. So I'd love to keep it that way. Well, I think you probably have sold some tickets to Dreamverse at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose so. The, the VIP tickets sold out. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Nice. That's true. Yeah, there you tickets, go. Yeah. But, but good to note the Warren Buffett method of holding on and hodling for the future. Yeah. Number five, what is your most prized possession? It's a pair of voxelized sneakers, basically. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it was designed by No Shot, who's, uh, who's one of the co-founders of Async Art. I remember it so distinctly because it, it, was, a, it was when I like, went over the edge and came completely addicted to buying an NFT. I, I can't remember ever wanting something so bad because it's really cool sneakers, man. It's, there's like uh, ocean green sneakers, voxelized, and No Shot does this, you know, this, this really cool thing where he creates these product videos out of them. I just had to have them. And so even today, in spite of all of the NFTs that I have or have bought on behalf of Metaverse, the Abyss, that pair, the fifth and last pair of the Abyss sneakers is my most prized possession. Uh, that's so cool. Man. We'll have to go check those out. Question number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, a service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Honestly, nothing. I'm just not interested in that anymore. If you ask me how I wanted to spend the next $100 million, I'd have an answer for you, but it wouldn't be about buying something. Well, let's go that. Let's go there. Uh, it's not part of your list. I'm not going to We'll move on. Ethan, we'll, we'll draw it out of you a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> there might be a hiding in it. 
Yes. (laughs) All good. No, that's great. Question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? A sense of wonder, I suppose. I'm so glad, you know, having been through, you know, professions like journalism and really dry things, I'm not jaded. I'm not cynical. And I've been able to retain my sense of wonder thanks to my association with artists, right? Thanks to being touched at a very deep level by artists. And that's the one thing I'd like to pass on. That's beautiful, man. Question number eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? I don't know if it's feasible, but four more, maybe. <laughs> we can all relate. Right. <laughs> yeah. You got to replace the FOMO with JOMO. Yeah. The joy of Which missing is? out. You know, uh, I feel fine. I feel I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. I missed it on that <laughs> <Okay>. one. <laughs> Hashtag <Yeah>. JOMO. <laughs> nice. A little easier. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I took a nap. Honestly, yeah. Held my wife's hand and took a nap. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Did you have a dream in the dream verse? That's the question. <laughs> I close my eyes and all I think about is dream verse. And it's, it's weird. It's almost like Groundhog Day. I keep reliving various versions of what it's going to be like. A couple of days ago, it was an absolute nightmare. You know, everything was uh, fucked up. Nobody turned up. You know, uh, it, it, for some weird reason, Dreamverse was happening in, in uh, you know, a single screen movie theater back home. The, the <laughs> toilets were broken and all of that stuff. But uh, today's Dreamverse. Oh, man. I'm getting more pumped up about it the more you talk about it, man. I uh, cannot wait. Uh, last one. Question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Talk to people about Dreamverse. More calls to do, more conversations. I, in fact, have an interview with an, with one of the featured artists lined up. So I'm really looking forward to getting into their process. Why they were at Dreamverse, you know, how they created that particular work of art and so on. I'm psyched. That's cool, man. Your passion comes through every step of the way, every question we ask, man. It's really awesome. Well, that was it. That's Edge Quick Hitters. Thanks so much for uh, indulging us there. It was really fun and great to get to know you a little bit better. I th- think we may have some hot topics to dive into. What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. But I do feel like it would be appropriate for you to haze Metacovin and make him have to do edge quick hitters at some point in the future. There you go. Yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely need to get him to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. All right. First hot topic in the hot spot here. Okay. So Benjamin Franklin said that an investment in knowledge pays best interest. But uh, Cardano's commercial arm is to invest 100 million in DeFi, NFTs, and blockchain education. All right. Emergio, the commercial and venture arm of Cardano, is investing 100 million to boost decentralized finance, NFTs, uh, blockchain education efforts uh, for the world's fourth largest blockchain. Well, you know, I think. I don't know if you guys thought of this as an investment in education when you invested in the people, right? Like, I mean, we've seen over and over again, a a lot of what's what's driving the growth of the space is, you know, it doesn't work if only one person is involved, you know, everybody's got to know what's going on. And once they do, and they get involved, then that's really when it works the best. So do you guys consider yourselves sort of educators as well? Or or how do you think about education in, in NFTs and blockchain? I think it's definitely a responsibility, Ethan, and one that, you know, posts the big people incident, as you know, call it sort of, uh, it's it's like we feel that a responsibility has been thrust on us, but, you know, irrespective of how much money you throw at it, I think what's more important to figure out is your intention behind it. What do you want to educate people on? Because 
it isn't like you can package crypto into a syllabus and sort of shove it down people's throats, right? For one, it becomes obsolete instantly. So what is it that you want to educate? What what is it that you want to propagate is, is very important to answer. And for us, we've figured it out over time. I think it's this process of uh, working with artists that has been the most transformative aspect for us. It starters a lot and you know in, in also investing in and dealing with uh, artist-led entrepreneurships, artist-led companies. It's just it, it, it elevates the way you think about the space, elevates the way you understand the space in very profound ways. And so an alternative way of educating people is by osmosis, is by giving them experiences like Dreamverse and sort of engineering little moments of serendipity, right? People like you and I are able to meet because of the NFT space. You know, who knows what kind of creative forces will collide at Dreamverse and what interesting projects will pop up after that. You know, the beauty of the NFT space is that I don't have to learn about what a blockchain is, you know, what Bitcoin is and the entire history and all of the technical aspects before diving into the deep end in the NFT space. All it takes is one meaningful conversation with a creator in the NFT space. I'm sorry I meandered a little, but this is how we're thinking about it. That's a great answer. And often I think our answers to people who don't quite get something, are interested, maybe are not interested, but have all these questions to say, hey, I don't know, invest in a little something, right? Get your hands dirty so that you have a reason to pay attention um, to what's going on. And then things start to make sense to folks um, why things are special. Yeah, man. It's, look, there's so many dollars, you know, getting pumped into the ecosystem now. It's amazing. And love seeing it spent on education. It's really, truly amazing how few people really do, you know, understand NFTs, even on a fundamental level, never mind like the game changing nature of them and what can happen here in the future, near future, as well as in, in the distant future. And like any chance I get, I, I try to talk to folks about, it, especially younger folks, and just ask them to dip their toes in and learn just a little bit about it because it's going to be there with them for the rest of their lives for sure. And yeah, it's just amazing to see uh, so much uh, attention now focused on contributing knowledge to the ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, blockchain felt like tech nerd-ish for a lot of people. And the opportunity to, to make money wasn't enough for them to dive down the rabbit hole. But when you incorporate NFTs into the future, that's the bridge that we all needed to make this education stick. Because we think, we act, we live three-dimensionally with all of our senses. And with NFTs, you can incorporate all of the senses in, in different ways. And that wouldn't be possible without sort of NFTs. Like you got the tech, but but now we have this new, richer, more exciting world that everyone can participate in and understand. If you've bought something online, if you've taken a photo, then there's an element of NFTs that already makes sense to you from the jump. Absolutely. NFTs are like, yeah, complete this train of thought. It's like NFTs are now the vehicle for all of crypto, right? I mean, like, uh, like Josh said, you know, a lot of people, creators and artists and communicators were in the periphery of crypto, didn't really have, you know, a foot in the door because they were all, you know, on the sidelines. With the NFT space, you get to, you know, commit a lot more. You get to, like, jump in properly. And now they all start to make sense because, 
You, you can back in DeFi's, uh, DeFi into NFTs. You can back in financial instruments into NFTs. And it's a perfect vehicle to understand it better. Yeah. Quick follow-up before the next one too. And as you were laying all that out, Josh, it's kind of like, you know, understanding NFTs is, is in, in, in some sense, just understanding ownership, right? Like it's, it's so broad and there's so many ways for people to get in. And, and what we're seeing right now is because all of these different ways are becoming available, it's, it's becoming more accessible to people to, to, to learn about it. Next thing on the hot topic hotspot here is a question about can existing companies successfully pivot it into NFTs? What's, what's your guys' opinion? Yay or nay? Here's three NFT stocks that have been noted with high growth potential. DraftKings, they're trying to get into the sports figure NFT market. Cloudflare is providing NFT infrastructure. And eBay and we've joked around about eBay before, is now allowing NFT sales on its enormous online marketplace. So yeah, I know eBay came up before and I forget who the guest was that day. There, were, there was kind of some skepticism there. It's like, okay, you know, nice try eBay. <laughs> but, uh, but these other two seem potentially promising. Yeah, I mean, among the three of them, I would bet on DraftKings because there's this innate sort of fantasy sports component to NFT culture in terms of picking the winning NFTs and the idea of integrating who you want to win contests and like fantasy sports and NFTs seem seem very, you know, integrated. I know we're going to have the CEO of DraftKings on the show at some point in the near future. I'm excited about that one. The other ones, maybe. Question in my mind is, you know, do they go into the space with old thinking or do they try to create the magic along the way? Absolutely, man. I mean, to, to me, it looks like a bell curve for the most part. And the bell curve relates to how people, you know, their regular customers start to understand crypto in the NFT space. I don't see any reason why all of these three companies won't make money in the short term. But then they hit a point where the user realizes that, okay, these are not really decentralized. What am I doing on this platform? What exactly am I buying? So if we're looking at an NFTization of an existing business model, I don't think that will last very long. So they can't really pivot and sort of retrospectively move into the NFT space. I think the best they can do is probably hive off an NFT version or you know build something entirely new for the NFT space, unless it is uh, blockchain native, unless it is NFT native. You're, you're not really you know, pushing the boundary at all. Yeah, it seems like there's an uphill battle for those existing companies. It's, it's the form follows function you know, kind of concept. And these are behemoths, right? They were built on um, a totally centralized uh, concepts and ideas. And so... I think, I think it's a tough road. Maybe they can get there and the opportunities for acquisitions and mergers uh, with companies that were purpose-built um, to, to serve the NFT um, ecosystem you know, may be the, the path to success there. I know a lot of the people that are involved in these projects are you know, long-time NFT players in the space. So I'm sure that helps, right? It starts with, with great people, I think, probably, who probably share a lot of the same ethos we've been talking about on the show today. So time will tell. All right, let's hit the next one here. All right, another step towards owning the Jets for our, our friend Gary V. So dealer Vito Schnabel and entrepreneur Gary V launched the NFT platform here. This has been called, they're calling this Art Official, one word, a new online auction platform that will feature NFTs by established artists. The platform, whose name 
It was pronounced like the word artificial, of course. Uh, I just said it. Like other NFT enterprises, artificial will stage sales that sometimes come with added perks for buyers in an auction on the day of the article. The buyer Clemente Milarepa's dream, an image of a heart pierced by a white flag, would be able to have their portrait painted with the artist within a year of purchase. Yeah, I mean, that sounds exciting. Gary is clearly, you know, trying to stake a, a claim as a leader in the space and, and is doing a pretty good job. We've just among us been talking sort of behind the scenes about launching our own NFT project, which will happen soon. But, you know, kind of inspired by some of the things he's doing, you know, he's his NFT holders might get drops from artists that he wants to feature or projects that he thinks are exciting. So good for Gary. I mean, this is right up his alley, as we've been saying from the start. How closely have you been watching what's going on with Gary V. Tubador? To be honest, not very closely, but uh, what I, I mean, uh, I was sort of up to date until the V Friends thing happened. And after that, I've really been keeping track. What I love about Gary V is the energy that he brings to the space and the sort of unfiltered faith and enthusiasm that he has for NFTs. There, there's no caveats when he speaks about uh, crypto and NFTs, and that, that's very rare in the space. And I, I love that. Also, love how he sort of infuses these really cool ideas of utility and access which are the things that can you know create those bridges between the virtual and real uh, when it comes to nfts that that's what you want ultimately right so you know godspeed to what he's building but i suppose my one word of caution in this would be i don't think we've yet discovered proper alternatives to existing economic models in the space whether it's auction houses or marketplaces so i haven't seen anything spectacular there yet very curious to see if Gary V is able to break that boundary. Definitely seems like he's trying. You know, I like the I like the partnership approach to what he's doing. He's kind of built this community, a, a group of loyal followers, and he's he's kind of making a bigger pie for everybody by bringing these partners into the fold, sharing some of the, the benefits, the utility through these other projects with his current friends holders and vice versa. There's some really cool stuff brewing there. I'm really interested to continue to watch what he's doing uh, now and what his plans are for the future. I mean, he said it, he wants to do this for the remainder of his life, which uh, I think all of us can say actually as well, but, but he's out there mixing it up. And this is just another, I think, of those those projects that he's trying to bring forward to add to the ecosystem. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? I guess so. Yeah. Lots of, lots of great stuff there. Uh, amazing time chatting with you too, Bedore. like, I mean, mind blowing stuff here overall. And we're just really looking forward to getting together with you in person here uh, in a few weeks. <laughs> Likewise. Uh, thanks so much, Jeff, Josh, and Ethan. I mean, I'm best experienced in small doses. So my sympathies, you, you put up with me for about an hour now. So I we try, we try, man. It's our pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you, you have so much going on. Uh, we want to make sure folks know where to go to uh, find out the latest and greatest of what you're up to. Where should they go to learn that? They can follow me on Twitter at Tubadoof. But right now, for the next few months, I've got tunnel vision now. It's, it, everything's around Dreamverse. So dreamverse.life is an excellent place to you know keep track of things. And my Twitter handle, I suppose these should be. Perfect. And Josh, I think maybe we wanted to give an, another bit of detail on this giveaway and contest that's forthcoming. Yeah. So super excited to work with you guys on a rather big and unique contest. As Shabudur mentioned, the VIP tickets are sold out and they've generously are giving our listeners access to one VIP ticket as the grand prize and then seven general admission tickets. So come to New York City on November 4th 
and hang out with us at Edge of NFT. And pretty much who's who of the, the NFT community, I think, will be there having a great time. Basically, this is going to be a contest that people can learn about on Twitter. It involves doing some different things to maximize your chances of, of winning these tickets and looking forward to hanging out with whoever does win in real life on November 4th. Amazing. So keep an eye on our socials and you'll get the deets. Okay. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Want to help co-create Edge of NFT with us? Got guests you want to see on the episode? Questions for hosts or guests? An NFT you'd like us to review? Drop us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.